President Demchuk, thank you so much for your leadership. Let's give it up to Dave. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. I say this every year, and I'm going to say it again. We are truly blessed to have a president that invests so much time into the student body, uh, in our chapels, in our classrooms, many colleges and universities. Their president isn't going by first-name basis and investing so much personal connection time with students. So count your blessings. Graduates, especially you, count your blessings with your last year with him. And freshmen, you're in for a treat. Bless you guys. Thanks, Kev. Wow kind of feel like you have to live up to something there, you know? Well, welcome. Uh, Today, for many of you, is your first, actually, full day of classes. Uh, You got to buy for Thursday, you got to buy for Friday, and now you're engaging. So, welcome. It's good to be with you this, you know, today, the first chapel of a new semester. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited preaching about promises because I'm living right now at this very instant in the fulfillment of a promise that's taken 14 years to come to pass. I finally get to use a countryman. (laughs) Now, you don't know me very well, um, freshman, but upperclassmen, you know me as a person who talks a lot with their hands. So you can imagine the dynamic of having to hold a microphone. You sort of feel like one of your vocal cords is paralyzed because you can't do this all the time. So anyways, that's cool. I'm living in this fulfillment. I love as well the theme of our Monday chapels, which is all about promises. Uh, and Gav talked a little bit about that. And I want to share, share a promise that has been really significant in my life. And it's a promise about uh, beginnings and middles and ends and just life. Uh, Before I do that, though, I want to talk a little bit about the concept of promise. Because we use the word in a lot of different ways, don't we? Um, If my son or my grandson, on a beautiful summer day, is holding a garden hose, holding onto the, the little release mechanism, and has it pointed at me, and I don't particularly want to get wet... What I'll say is, if you turn that hose on me, I promise you, you'll regret it. And that's kind of a bit of a veiled threat, isn't it? Now, it's a humorous example. But sometimes when we think of God's promises, we tend to think of them in terms of, well, if I don't do this, the judgment of God is going to fall upon me. That's, that's not, I don't think that's what God means. When, and, and what we should mean when we talk about the promises of God in our lives. They're not veiled threats. There are uh, lots of scriptures that speak of, you know, the consequences of our behavior and, and where we're going to go. But I don't, I don't use promise language. I use consequence language to describe those things. So let's, let's get that straight. Um, we use sometimes the word promise to speak of kind of like a broader sense of something. So, for example, I'm standing in front of a room full of people with amazing promise. That points to your future. That speaks of God's destiny for your lives. We use promise as well in our relationships with one another, don't we? If you haven't already done this to your roommate, you may well, at some point in this semester, say, can... Can you, like, loan me 10 bucks to go with the gang for wings? I promise I'll pay you back next week when my student loan comes in. And we trust each other, right? You know, a little bit of a sense of interpersonal promise. For those of you that were little kids, and I'm assuming most of us here today have passed through that stage of life, except for Gav, he was always big. No, 
Um, you know, you little kids are great for that, right? They say, but you promised. Our son Brent, um, if he'd ask for something, we'd always say, well, we'll think about it. And think about it always turned into promise for Brent. Right? You promise. So that relational demand. But there's another idea behind promise, and that is this. A unilateral or one-sided commitment based upon the character of the promiser, not based on any merit that I bring to the table, uh, nothing in me that looks good or is valuable, but rather something that's granted to me based on the character of, of one who's bigger than me, whose character is so perfect and so wonderful and so loving and so giving that he lavishes his promises upon his people. That's the kind of promises we're talking about in this series because it's God who is the promiser. So his promises are of a positive nature. As I said before, the consequences of sin... Uh, those, uh, if, if you're in Mark's Pentateuch class, those are called cursings. The promises which are of, of, of a positive nature are called God's blessings. And those things bring hope and encouragement to us, don't they? And they, they contain some interesting aspects. They contain an aspect of the future. So this is what God is going to do, and we're looking for a wonderful future ahead. But... Promise is also a, a, a place we can live in in the present. Experiencing the blessing of God in our lives. Take Israel for an example. When they transitioned out of Egypt, that great deliverance out of slavery in Egypt, to a promised land, they had a perfect future. But when they walk through the desert of Sinai, Deuteronomy tells us that God's hand of blessing was upon them. So even though they were disobedient at times... God's hand of blessing was upon him, his hand of provision, his hand of protection, his hand of blessing sustaining them. So when you move towards the fulfillment of a promise, there's a wonderful reality that as you walk in that promise and you walk in that journey, you can be sustained by the presence and power of God. So promises for today as well as for tomorrow. A promise also requires that even though we do nothing to merit it, it requires a response of faith and a response of action. Many of you are here because God has promised you and called you uh, and said, this is where I want you to be. You can't lean into that solely without a response of action, i.e., you, you have to go to class, you have to study. Uh, you know, God may have called you, but, but there's a response of faith as you're here, Right? In the same way in our lives, there's that response of faith and action. Abraham responded with faith and action, and Romans tells us that Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. So that fully convinced peace comes through the response of faith and the response of action. So there's a response, or there's a promise that has sustained my life in an amazing way. And it's found in the context of Paul's prayer of thanksgiving for one of his churches. And by the way, um, when you read Paul's letters and you read the prayers, don't read them for their historical value only. Because I believe they're in Scripture because they are Paul's prayers 
Paul's forward prayers, not only for the churches that he wrote those epistles to, but they're for us today. And so when I read this prayer, uh, I read this promise, and it begins with the words, I am sure of this. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I love those words because it points to a sense of bedrock confidence in what he's about to say. It's not a wish. It's not a hope. It's a solid assertion. It's something you can take to the bank. You ever had an argument with someone and you know you're right? And you say to them, I'm sure of this. And they don't believe you. And so you go down to the library and you take about 45 books that all say the same thing that you want to say. And you pile the books on the table. And you can say to the person, I'm sure of this. Ha! That's what Paul is saying in this verse. I'm sure of this promise. It is found in the book of Philippians. So as you know me, probably aren't surprised. Uh, but it, but it, it has me sitting on the edge of my seat when I, when I read those words. I'm sure of this thing. And this is what Paul says. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That continues to be one of those promises that I read and go, yes, absolutely, God, I love this. And I'll tell you why I love it. Three reasons. Believe in the Trinity. I believe sermons should have three points. Here they are. Number one. It centers me in the source of my Christian life. When I came to Christ, yeah, it was a decision I made to follow Jesus. But more importantly, that decision was a response to the irresistible drawing and grace and claim that God made on my life. I couldn't deny it anymore. For some people, it's a crisis moment. For others, it's a, it's a process. It's a pilgrimage. But regardless, this promise brings us back to God as the great beginner, as the source of our lives. We sang an amazing chorus today that talked about how we can't go back to the beginning, and we can't. You can't, you know, we're all time travelers. We're traveling forward in time. There's no reverse gear in, in the time travel that we have. We can't go back to the beginning, literally. I can't go back to being a 14-year-old kid coming to faith in Jesus. You, you all can't go back to that place, literally. But you do have to be able to go back to it in your memory, figuratively. Because God is the great beginner. That moment of beginning anchors our lives. So God who created the world out of nothing, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, commanded the light to shine in our hearts, and it was the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And each one of us have experienced that. Out of nothing, God made me alive in Christ. And so this promise always reminds me to go back to the beginning. And it's something that circumstances and the stuff of life can, can, can crowd out that reality, that beginning. Um, but this promise reminds me always go back to God who is the great beginner, who is the great source of our lives. Why do people write their salvation dates in their Bible? Because those dates mean something, and it brings them back to a dynamic work that God has done in their lives. And when I read this promise, I'm reminded that God is the source. He began a good work in me. He began it. 
Israel and the book of Joshua, as they walked across the Jordan River, were commanded by God to take a dozen stones out of the middle of the Jordan River that split apart so the whole country could cross the river, take them and set them up at Gilgal as a, as a memory, and then to set a dozen stones in the river as well. And uh, the purpose of that was so that when their children said, what do these stones mean? They could say, this is where God separated the river to give us the promised land. They were always looking back at the beginning. What's Passover? The celebration of God's deliverance. What's communion? The celebration of God's deliverance through Jesus. We've got to go back to the source. Where did Paul figure that out? Did he have a theory? Did he take a couple of good courses from great instructors at Summit? No. Paul is a Pharisee thinking he's doing the will of God, traveling to Damascus to kill Christians. Encounters the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life has changed. He had a source. He had a beginning that he appealed to. So in my life, when I've, over time, found myself questioning or feeling a bit lost, I retrace my steps like a little puppy trying to get the scent back again. And I go back to the source. And I go back to the God who began. And I work forward from there. This promise also reminds me that the nature of the work God does in my life, and by extension in your lives, is going to be good. It's always good. Romans 8.28 says, For this we know, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And this is the eternal perspective we've got to keep in the midst of the circumstances we go through. Because I've grown to realize this in the time that I've served God. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes it still plagues me a bit. But what I happen to be going through on a given day what they are serving for lunch in the cafeteria on a given day, the fact that my roommate has left our room looking like Hurricane Dorian has just blown through it, and we've only been here for not even a week, the fact that the circumstances of life don't look really good today doesn't thwart God's good purposes for my tomorrows, because He knows what He's doing. You know, in my life, ministry has been profoundly fulfilling. Diane and I have enjoyed some amazing years in ministry. Um, there have been some tough seasons, but I've always seen God work His good purposes through the tough seasons. And I'm here to tell you, even though you might not be there yet, that when the tough times come, the difficult times come, God works through those seasons. I, um, I was, my parents were not violently, but profoundly opposed to me being in ministry. My dad came and heard me speak at my Bible college graduation, uh, and I was a valedictorian, and he was moved to tears by the speech that I gave, but he still couldn't bring himself to say, you'd make a good pastor someday. He said, you should be a politician. <laughs> so that was my, you know, that was, that was my life. And those were difficult 
seasons because I loved my parents. But I knew the call of God and where God had called me was, I, I needed to pursue that in the difficult times. And God worked good out of it. Both of my parents are with the Lord now. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, even though I miss them some days pretty profoundly. Paul and his missionary journeys, they exacted a huge toll on him. We, we think of Paul as this, this saint who rode around on a repulsor lift that was just like nothing harmed him. But when you read Paul, you discover that in, in Paul's letters that he was physically, emotionally, relationally you know, beat up. He was rejected. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beat. He was stoned. He was left for dead. Um, for those of you that are with me in Corinthians, we're going to discover in 2 Corinthians that, that Paul was anxious because the Corinthians didn't like any of his Instagram posts. They didn't like his leadership. But yet in the midst of it all, Paul says in Romans that, and, and he echoes his experience and the experience of the Romans, we are more than conquerors in Christ. So when I'm going through difficult moments, I remind myself of God's good work in my life. And that gives me endurance through the situation. I'm reminded of the story of a little kid, and it's a story. I don't even think it's true. Every pastor has used this illustration, so feel free to steal it because it's not mine. Story of a little guy who's wanted, wanted a pony for his birthday. You heard that story? Little guy want a, wants a pony for his birthday every day. He goes out to the barn to see if there's a pony there. And, um, finally, his birthday comes. His dad buys him the pony. They put it in the barn. You know, they're a farming family. Little guy gets up on his birthday full of faith that he'd got a pony. His dad says, well, why don't you go out to the barn and see? Little guy goes out to the barn, and the parents, you know, are waiting for this little guy to come back with his pony, all excited about his birthday gift. Takes forever. 10, 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour, the little guy's not back yet. Mom says to Dad, you better go out and see where he is. So his dad rounds the corner to the barn. He discovers that the little guy went into the barn all right, uh, but he went in the door where all the manure was, in a stall, and he's digging furiously. And he looks at his parents, or his dad, and he says, You know, Dad, I just believe that with all this manure in here, there's got to be a pony buried in here somewhere. And you just go, wow. Little kid uh, has great faith, if you will, but the manure for the little guy represents the difficulties we go through, the things we slug through. And uh, sometimes Paul reminds us that God's work is good, even though you might feel like that little guy digging through the manure and through the difficult moments. But nevertheless, there's a pony in there. Difficult moments you go through on campus. Remember this, there's a promise there. Because God is good, and His promises are good. And I could lean into those good promises and be strengthened in my walk with Him. Paul said in Timothy, I know the one in whom I trust and I'm sure that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. God's promise, this promise in Philippians reminds me that God's work in my life is always good. Even though it might be cloudy. The weather might be, uh, might be a difficult thing that I'm walking through. But I can trust him. Even in those moments when it doesn't make sense... Don't allow yourself to run away from the very one you should be running towards. 
Now, Gavin gave us an illustration on Wednesday night of a couple of prominent pastors who have kind of fallen away from faith. And, and you know what that is? That's forgetting their source and forgetting the good work that God is doing in their lives and allowing themselves to run away from the very one they should run to who can sustain them in those moments. Promise always reminds me as well that God has a destiny for my life. He's going to bring the work to completion. He doesn't leave things unfinished like we do. There's a day of final completion. Paul calls it the day of Jesus Christ. That's when uh, our salvation is culminated. We're in the presence of God. We're eternally with him. But I also realize in this promise that there's, and, and even with the experience of our lives, there's lots of starting and completing moments along the journey. He's faithful to bring all of those moments to his appointed completion, bring us to that divine destiny, that, that ordained conclusion. For example, for all of us, the year ahead's a journey. It's a gift. It's a season of promise. And I believe it's a season where, where, where God is going to fulfill his grand purposes in our lives. And sometimes we get anxious when we don't see the promises coming together as quickly as, as we'd like. Sometimes we find ourselves saying, God, I can't, I can't understand this. What's going on? When Diane and I were married, her grandma, Grandma McLean, she is from Glasgow, from Scotland. And she was on a plane. Her arm was in a sling. And she was looking out the window as they were flying through a bank of fog over the Rocky Mountains, having flown in from Edmonton. And she was getting really agitated. And Diane's cousin says, Grandma, what's the matter? Diane's aunt says, Mom, what's the matter? She swung the window open and she says, I kind of see where we're going. Mom, cousin says, well, it's okay, Mom. The pilot can see. I didn't believe it. If I cannot see, he cannot see either. And you know, sometimes we, we have that approach with God. God, I, I cannot see what you're doing here. And if I cannot see, you cannot see. And God says, yes, I can. And I'm accomplishing my purposes. We have a start. We have a final destination. And everything else in the middle is about our walk of faith. So as we engage this year's journey, friends, can I make some suggestions? Uh, based on this promise, in times of doubt, when we find ourselves saying, have I made the right choice? Have I made the right choice following Jesus? Have I made the right choice coming here? Um, go to that point where you knew strongly you heard the voice of God. When, whether it's a camp, whether it's a service, whether it's a time of prayer. For me, it's a weird place. It's a Friday afternoon fourth block physics class at Max Cameron Senior High School in Paul River, B.C., where God undeniably, it was like, uh, I've described it to people, it was like God's call was like flipping a switch in my head. I, I was uh, aiming towards engineering or medicine for a career. I was doing physics, chemistry, math, all of the sciences. And at that moment, sitting in that class, about halfway through the class, I just looked at, at my buddy sitting beside me, and I said, I, I, I'm not feeling well, I've got to go. And it wasn't that I was sick, it was just that I was, all of a sudden, everything seemed worthless, with the exception of pursuing the call of being in Bible college. I didn't know what that meant, I just knew I had to be here. 
And, and there were times when I was a first-year student here, I thought, what have I done? And, and I, I, I would go back to that moment in that physics class because it was so real. It was so undeniable. I actually got in, got in my car and drove to the church and said to my pastor, uh, I think I'm losing my mind. And he said, no, you're not. I think probably God is beginning at work in your life that will culminate in a call to ministry. But don't take my word for it. Just enjoy the ride. And that's what it was. Times of doubt, I always, go back to, I always went back to that point. Yes. In times of difficulty, this promise is there. Um, because God never promised any of us a perfect experience. He never promised us all good times all the time, did he? But here's what he promised, his presence and his good purposes, regardless of what we go through. In many times, in many situations, we learn more about his character and our character as we're transformed through moments of difficulty, through seasons of difficulty. So in the difficult times, I'm reminded he does a good work, regardless of how it looks to me right now. And there's times when we drift. And uh, in those drifting times, we're reminded that God will complete the work with an ultimate destination in mind. When Diane and I were first dating, I, I think we were dating. We were dating, honey. I, you don't even know the story, so you can't answer my question, right? Um, we, were, we were on Galliano Island with some friends in their boat. We weren't dating. But I loved you in my heart even then. Uh, so we were in a boat, and Diane and her friend, you know, we were, we were heading back towards from Galliano to uh, the mouth of the Fraser because they had a, a fairly large boat, and it was moored in the mouth of the Fraser River. And as we left uh, uh, Galliano Island, Sturdy's Bay, and made our way to, through Active Pass towards uh, Tawasin, a bank of fo- a fog rolled in. And uh, the, the pastor that we were working with uh, was a pretty confident fellow. But even he realized that he wasn't going to get us to where we needed to be through a bank of fog. So we got out the charts, and we ruled a compass heading based on the charts from Galliano Island, Sturdy's Bay, to the mouth of the Fraser River. And if, for those of you that, that are comfortable with charting courses and, and before the time of GPS, you know that you can rule a course, then you get a compass heading based on 360 degrees. So I, I said to the pastor, I said, if we set that compass heading, I think we'll get there. Um, and we did. So in times of drifting, don't lose that compass heading. Don't lose that sense of destination where God is taking you. This year, there may be doubt. There may be difficulty. There may be drifting. But remember this that uh, we can engage with certainty that God, God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this promise I thank you for the assurance we have, Lord, that as we lean into your faithfulness and your grace and your goodness, regardless of what we go through, uh, Lord, that you will sustain us and you will direct our lives and you have a good work for each of us to do. You have, you have good promises for our lives. You have an amazing destination for each of us. Sort of, I pray and I release uh, our students to this reality, to this promise in their lives. 
Anchor them in the source. Anchor them in their experience. Anchor them in, the rea- in, in, in those, those moments and those times when, when they felt you so closely. Remind them in difficulty uh, that you're walking beside them and that your purposes and plans are always good because you are good. And, uh, Lord, remind them of, of destiny in seasons when we're tempted to drift and just live life on autopilot. Jesus, um, we love you. We give you praise today. Sustain us with this promise today and for the rest of, of this week, and even, Lord, for some for the rest of this year, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great lunch.